Torah on both sides. The parsha is the parsha of Ayera. The parsha of Ayera. The parsha of Ayera begins with the story of the Shloshana Shim. Three men came to visit Avraham Avinu, and you know that there's a discussion about these men: were they real men or were they angels? Sahakol, I think the agreement of the the flow of interpretation is that they must have been angels because they came to do something that only angels could do. <coughs> One of them came to tell Avram Avinu and Sarah that in another year, Ka'et Chaya, they would have a son. The other one came <coughs> he was sort of like going to push the button which was going to unleash the bomb that would destroy all those cities we know them as Stone Vamura but there are a few other cities as well and the third one the third of these people came to save Lot that's the way we are taught the story after they do the job, or the three men come, three men, three angels, tell Avram Avinu <coughs> about his son, and about the future, Avram Avinu uh, bids them farewell, and they go on their way. I mean, they go to continue this, uh, this work that they have. They're on their way to Sodom, to destroy Sodom and to uh, save Lot. Why a Kaddish Baruch needs agents to destroy Sodom is not clear. But that's the way the story is told. And obviously, obviously, but apparently, the Torah wants to teach us also about how God does things in the world what angels are, who angels are. <coughs> and these, these notions are the uh, material that the parashanim and that the philosophers, Jewish philosophers, deal with throughout the, without the angel, the ages. And this question, what did Avram Avinu see? What did Avram Avinu know? Who did he think he was talking to? When Avram Avinu decided to feed them, and they ate, well, did Avram Avinu know? And if he knew, why did he feed them? And if they were really angels, why did they eat? How did they eat? And what is the meaning of an angel eating, as opposed to God telling Avram Avinu, look, <coughs> these guys are angels. You don't have to feed them. In any event, they're not hungry. <coughs> so this is kind of the mystery of the beginning of the parasha. But the mystery deepens, and that's the part of the parasha that I'm interested in. After the angels go on their way in the direction of Sodom and Avram goes with them if you look at the Pesukim Bereshit Perk Yud Chet study from Pasuk Yud Zayin Vashem 
השם אמר, המכסה אני מאברהם אשר אני עושה. Introduction. Usually, Hashem has something to say. He speaks. Vayomer Hashem el Avraham. Here there is an introduction to the will of God. God is going to do something that doesn't make any sense. And since it doesn't make any sense, the Torah says, it's important that there should be an introduction. <coughs> Now what is it that doesn't make sense? What doesn't make sense is that de facto, Hashem is making Avraham Avinu a partner. Not I will destroy, I Kaviyochol HaKadosh Baruch will destroy stone, but we will destroy stone. And even though that doesn't make any sense, There's an introduction that is supposed to help us make sense out of it. HaMechaseh Ani Me'Avraham Is it proper? Is it right? Is it acceptable? That I'm covering up from Avraham Et Asher Ani Yoseh Somehow the Pasuk implies that Avraham deserves Avraham has every right Everybody, Avram should be involved in <coughs> the decision to destroy cities of stone of Amorah. And that presents us with a mystery about the relationship between God and Avram Avinu. It's true, we have prior information of a similar type. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man, that's Perak Aleph, right? Even though we know man is man slash woman, but when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man, the Pasuk in the Torah says, Naaseh Adam Mitzalmenu Chidmutenu. And as you know, the word Naaseh is a plural, first person plural, translated correctly as We shall make. And of course, the question is, who's we? Who is we? So there are two kind of approaches. You could say, we means me. And the Ibn Ezra points out <coughs> that there's something that at later times, you know, the grammarians at a certain time like to call things, give things Latin names. Because it's confusing to the student and makes the student think that the teacher knows what he is talking about. It's a kind of a schwitz, they would call it today. So the Ibn Ezra says, not these words in Latin, but the teachers who took it from the Ibn Ezra, they say that such a thing is a pluralis maestatus, which of course is a lot more impressive than saying royal plural, right? But apparently kings, kings and maybe queens and people like that, it wasn't enough for them to wear those fancy outfits and crowns. They were afraid that the people they were talking to would forget 
that they were kings. So they kept talking about themselves as we, meaning there's a lot to us. You know, we're not just I, we're we. So one approach of parashanut is that <laughs> is a kind of a make-believe plural. It's about Hashem. Hashem is one. But the Torah can speak about Hashem as plural. We know that one of the shemot of Hashem is Elohim. And you also know, as everybody knows, that the word Elohim looks like a plural word. It looks like it. Right? And everybody knows that in the parasha of Mishpatim, <coughs> the word Elohim is used as a synonym for Dayanim. A real plural. A real plural. Take him to the Elohim, to the Beit Din. <coughs> so this matter of plural can be solved by saying it's not for real. Rashi takes a different approach. Rashi said, Rashi thinks, if you look at that Rashi carefully, Rashi thinks, <coughs> Rashi says this, Anvitanuto shel he. This is divine humility. What is? What is divine humility? That Hashem said, we will create man. And well, who is he talking to? Siv Otashamayim. The heavenly hosts. <coughs> and he kind of took them under advisement. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to them, what do you think? You think you should, we, we will, we should create man? And of course, the decision had already been rendered. And why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do that according to Rashi? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only created man, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu also created humility. Now you know there's a thing about humility. It's hard to be humble by yourself. Can you imagine? What would a person who lived in a primeval forest have to do to prove that he was humble. Another way of thinking about what would HaKadosh Baruch have to do to indicate humility. <coughs> humility is a midah. It's a character trait. Where did it come from? Why does the Torah say that Moshe Rabbeinu was the most successful human being that God created? Enough. He had that quality of humility. Now, without explaining what humility is, Rashi says, it's in that pasuk, <coughs> So what I meant to say was, and we've already seen it. We've already seen the joining of Ephesus, Jirakadish Bochel, and the heavenly hosts. That Sabdab HaKadosh Bochel wanted to consult. Not really. Rashi says it's a real plural. And right? it's a real plural in order to create humility. 
<coughs> but this pasuk doesn't seem to say that. This pasuk says that Avram Avinu has rights, and Avram Avinu should be given the opportunity. Avram Avinu should be the, the opportunity to have a say in the destruction of stone and Amorah. And this remains forever a crux. It's a difficulty. What sort of right? What sort of privilege? There are decisions that are made in heaven and they are not made on earth. And yet, that's what the Pasuk says. <coughs> so we... <coughs> For those of you who are wondering, it's true, I'm still coughing. <laughs> but experiences that, that poor it goes away now it seems like a long time from now but hope springs eternal <coughs> look at the rush the rush is in the left column rush is in the left column Hashem says that Rashi is sort of like expanding the conversation. My customer says, how can I do such a thing? How can I destroy stove Amorai without telling him? After all, I, HaKadosh Bochel, gave Abu Ravinu this land. And thereby the five cities that are going to be destroyed belong to Abu Ravinu. I'm not sure how that works out. Sodom and Amorah are included in the inheritance of Avram Avinu. He gets Eretz Canaan, and Eretz Canaan includes the cities of Sodom and Amorah. Karati Oto Avraham Afamongoyim, Vashmidit Abanim, Lo Diala Av Shehu Ohabai. So Rashi says there are two themes. One is the theme of ownership, and one is the theme of a kind of paternal connection between Avraham and the nations that live in Canaan. <coughs> since Avraham owns the land, and since Avraham is the father of the nations, how is it possible not to tell him what is going on? So I'll tell you, I, I always thought that this was a kind of an exalted statement. Something remarkable that when Akharish Bogu promised Avram the land, he made him the Balabayat on that part of the world which was also created by Akharish Bogu. I mean, after all, the world was created by God. Was Avram Avinu come into the creation business? Avram Avinu is a very important person. He discovered God at a time when no one else was interested, but what does this got to do with ownership? I mean, okay, he's going to get it eventually. What about Joshua? What about Kibush? What about the things that are going to happen? And you mean if there's a terrible group in Eretz Israel, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't relate to that? <coughs> so it doesn't make any sense. Let's look at Pasuk Yudet. Pasuk Yudet. So this is a repetition of the bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Avram Avinu when he left Haran to go to Eretz Kenan. 
that, that the presence, Avram Avinu's presence is bracha, shefa, abundance, overflow. Everybody's going to know it. And here, what happens? Avram Avinu comes there, it's Canaan and the Kaddish Bokhah, because it destroys a third of the, a third of the land. How could that be? Where's the bracha? Basuk yetet ki yedatif. Now you have this wonderful pasuk. Ki yedatif. Ki is a word that means since or ergo. Mashma mikan. It's like it's not just Avram Avinu. It's not just that he's the owner of the land. Kiyadativ, I know Yedalit Ayin, which is a difficult word, as all the commentaries have pointed out again and again, and always deserves special consideration, which we will give it shortly. Yedalit Ayin is to know, but not to know something, to know the way, or to know how much a sack of milk costs today. No, Yadoa is something deep, almost profound. Kiyadativ, HaKadosh Baruch says, I know him. I know him, Avram Avinu, Lema'an, yeah, that word, Lema'an, Ki, Lema'an, too many words. Asher Yitzavet Banav et Beito Acharav, Yitzavet Banav et Beito Acharav, right? This is the unique thing about Avram Avinu, he was the first Jew. He was the first Jew. What made him the first Jew? He had a Jewish child. What? Don't say that as an oath. I, I, I just say, but what, what spiritual quality made Avram Avinu the first Jew? He had the first Jewish child. In other words, he was the first one who passed the idea onto his child. He was the first one who understood the difficulties of education, of rearing, rearing children, and about passing on the ideas. What's Akedat Yitzchak? Akedat Yitzchak is the story of the ultimate victory of Jewish education. Imagine, a father was able to teach his son that divine command takes priority over seichel, over logic. Right? When Hashem, when Avram said to Yitzchak, listen, God wants me to sacrifice you, Yitzchak didn't say in the way kids say today, but dad, that doesn't make any sense. No, he didn't say that. He said, if that's what God wants, I'm in. That was Yitzchak. So Avram Avinu was the first one in HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, hey, you know who Avram Avinu is? And then those words, Lasot, Staka, Umishpat. Sounds important, right? Those are two big words. But what is the Pasuk talking about? You mean that since Avram Avinu is therefore he should judge Sodom? He should be one of the Dayanim on Sodom? Rashi says, Pasuk Yutet, Ki yedativ l'shon chiba. What is chiba? It's a Hebrew word, right? But of course, like most Hebrew words, we don't know what they mean. And we use them. 
But we make a mistake thinking that we know what it means. You know, the difference, I said, the difference in teaching uh, native English speakers Torah and native Hebrew speakers Torah is that when you teach native English speakers Torah, you have to tell them what the word means. And when you teach native Hebrew speakers Torah, you have to tell them it doesn't mean what you think it means. Right, so, uh, I don't know which is harder or which is easier, but they're both an enterprise. Well, people think that words are an easy thing. Here's a word. Tell me what it means. But stakah, that's a tough word. Believe me. And mishpat, that's another tough word. So what is he talking about? What is the pasuk talking about? Abu Mavino, where's the stakah, the mishpat that we are talking about? <coughs> Pasukah. That was introduction. 17, 18, 19, introduction to the telling of Tavra Mavinu about Sidon. Terrible places. They're just screaming and yelling about nothing and they, they, they're full of sin and crime. In, it's hard to ignore that. God says, I'll go down and take a look. That means I'll go down and take a look. And why can't he just turn on the TV? He says, yeah, go down and take a look. So, so, so obviously they were talking about some kind of out-of-body experience. I mean, this is not what we think it is. What is going here? What is going on here? So the Pasuk says, the mind of heaven is made, the angels are going to do their job, but Avraham has something to say. And then begins an argument between Akharish Boch and Avraham which uh, goes on for many psukim, in which Avram Avinu accuses God of not being properly just. Pasukav Gimel Vaigash Avraham Vayomar Avtispet Sadikim Rasha. Is it possible that God will not concern himself, Kaviyocho, with the righteous and the less righteous? That just will just wipe up all of Sodom. I mean, there, there gotta be some people in Sodom who are more righteous than others. <coughs> and our video goes on and discusses with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, 50 tzaddik, 40 tzaddik. At the end of the story, at the end of the story, Avram Avinu is off base. I mean, it's very nice to argue with God. And it certainly indicates Something special. I mean, not everybody is privileged to argue with God. But Avrabinim was wrong. There were no tzaddikim in stone and amora. And the only one who had any redeeming features was Lot. 
But if you remember the stories of Lot, I would not put him in the category of the great righteous ones. Nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed or included <coughs> the salvation of Lot in the destruction of Sodom. But that was not the result of the argument of, of Avram Avinu, because if you look at Pasuk Lamedet, I'm sorry, Pasuk Lamedet, Vayomer Alai Charlado Shem, one more time, Avram Avinu says, So the argument of Avram Avinu goes to ten. But there were no ten sadiqim. There wasn't really even one sadiqim. And about the salvation of Lot, Avram Avinu didn't even mention. Avram Avinu knew Lot very well. So you see that the saving of Lot was very much lefnim mishurat hadin. Lot deserved to be destroyed, but okay. <coughs> he had a certain redeeming feature. Which he learned from Abraham Avinu. But Abraham Avinu didn't ask. So you have this kind of story which starts with Abraham. Abraham has the right to know. Abraham Avinu decides that he has the right to argue, to discuss, to put forth an opinion. Akarish Baruch says, well, you're wrong about this. I mean, he says it in a nicer way. But he says, you're wrong about 50, you're wrong about 40, you're wrong about 20, and you're wrong about 10. And even though there's, there are no righteous people in Sodom, <coughs> an extraordinary measure, which Avram Avinu was not prepared to ask about, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has agreed, agreed prior to his conversation with Avram Avinu, to save Lot. <coughs> if you look at the second page, <coughs> you see the Rashbam. Is it possible that I won't tell Avram Avinu? So the Rashbam takes it a little bit different. <coughs> Whereas Rashi said, Avram owns the land. So I have to tell him what's going to happen. The Rashbam says, I know, continuing the Pasuk about Avram Avinu is a great educator. <coughs> the Rashbam says, the Rashbam says, that his children will certainly inherit the land that I've given to Avram Avinu. How do I know they're going to inherit the land? Because they're going to receive the education. They're going to go to Avram Avinu's day school. And in Avram Avinu's day school, they're going to teach him, they're going to teach his children, Derech Hashem and Staka and Mishpat. So they will truly inherit the land. So the difference between <coughs> Rashi and the Rashbam is that Rashi says that the land belongs to Avram Avinu. 
Whereas the Rashbam says the land belongs to the children of Avram Avinu. Surely. And the children of Avram Avinu are the benefits of the education of Avram Avinu. It's what it says in the, what it says in the Pasuk. Okay, so there are two ideas in Hasidut <coughs> that I'd like to share with you. One again is from Rav Nossin. Rav Nossin, the Talmud of Rav Nachman of Rav I told you I give a shir in the web shir. Monday mornings at 9 o'clock, I'm happy to say that my PR efforts yielded no results. No one who comes to the shir comes to the shir on Monday morning, and therefore I can just say it over again. So I will. It's one of the... Like in old age, you learn that the main trick is to teach in a lot of different places. Such that nobody knows that you're teaching the same thing every time. <coughs> but look, that's what happens when you get old. Anyway, this is what Rav Nossin says. And the other, the other piece is from the Shem Shmuel, which I don't teach on Monday mornings. And which we'll have to look at. We'll look at again. This is what Rav Nossin says. Remember that the two things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that Avram's educational program where his children, his grandchildren, consist of his derech Hashem and the way of God and staka u'mishpat. Those are the two things he didn't say that you have to learn mishnayot by Abal Peh or that you have to be in a halacha, halacha contest or you have to run a marathon for the Torah. There's anything like that. This is the, this is the curriculum. Derech Hashem and staka u'mishpat. That's the Avram Avinu curriculum for his students. <coughs> I mean, his children, his grandchildren. Now, for us, for us, I mean, it's not so easy to know exactly what Der Hashem is, what Stakal Mishpat is, but you know, we have this idea that Avram Avinu was able to intuit God's will. And that's why Chazal say that the Avot, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, kept all the mitzvot. I mean, what do you mean? The, why, would, why would Chazal say a thing like that? I mean, they kept all the mitzvot. I mean, how'd they know all the mitzvot? So Chazal thought that if you were tuned in, that if you, that if you were sympathetic to God's will, you'd do the right thing. <coughs> you didn't have to know the formalities of the mitzvah to do the mitzvah. But if you knew about a Kodesh Bochum, you knew that a Kodesh Bochum wanted you to do Tzedek, Tzedakah, and Kodesh Bochum wanted you to do Mishpat. We don't know exactly what those words mean, so listen to Rav Nossin. This is what Rav Nossin says, he says this. You see on the third page, the bottom part of the page. Lasot Tzedakah Mishpat. Valkei Mishmach Mikrazel Enyam Pashat Tzedom Shama Hashem Yitbarachem Chasani Me'Avraham. Could I be? Could it be that I am not going to tell Avram Avinu? Right, this is these are the psukim. Hainu, Hainu is a word that introduces interpretation. That is, <coughs> that is to say, Hainu. It is, it is this. I mean, you have to always restate everything that's written in the Torah because you you want to understand it. And understanding demands always restating in the language that you speak. 
And the language that we speak is not always exactly the same as Rav Nosson spoke, which is certainly not the same as the language of the, <coughs> the Torah. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? We usually think of tefillah as being a reflection of our needs. Like, why do I daven? Because I want the stock market to go up. That's why I daven. Like, what can I do? I have no control. I have, I'm helpless. So I daven. So Nelson says, no. You're, you're, missing, you're missing the point. Ki Hashem shel which means that the creation of the world means that there's a relationship between man and God. <coughs> and what does God get out of it? Because that's what a relationship is. A relationship is where both sides of the relationship get something. They're satisfied about something. So what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets out of the creation of the world is tefillah. An amazing notion. Listen. And God was desirous of Avram Avinu davening for stone. Imagine what Rav Nosen is saying. I mean, you could say it. Think about what he's saying. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that stone would be destroyed. And it will be destroyed. <coughs> and after that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Abraham. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu meant to say was, what an opportunity there is to get Avram Avinu to Davin. But in order to get Avram Avinu to Davin, what do I have to do? Bashamayim? I have to tell him. If he doesn't know that stolen Amor is going to be destroyed, then he's sure he's not going to die for them. So let's tell him. Let's tell him what's going to happen. Uchamuvan ba medrashei visha mashal shashem yitbarach hayam itaneg mitfilat Avraham. And there the medrash, the medrash rabbi uses the word litaneg. Onik. Pleasure. It's like words that are hard to ascribe to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but that's what the Medrash says. That prayer is not the last resort for man. It's not as though we say, look, I tried everything, it doesn't work, I'll die. It's not like that. But I'm not saying that that kind of prayer doesn't exist. But that's not what Rav Nossin is talking about. Rav Nossin is talking about there's a different kind of prayer. A prayer that gives HaKadosh Baruch Hu satisfaction. Because he's created a being that prays. Can you imagine? <coughs> That's what he says. Ki listen to this. Listen to Ramos. He asked the question that you're going to ask, but you're quiet. But you would ask it in another minute. Ki Afopi so he says, what was the great pleasure? What was so good about Avraham davening to God to save Sodom because he didn't succeed? I mean, how can you say 
והשם מתעוור לתפילתם של צדיקים, ותפילה של צדיקים doesn't do anything. And after all, I'm going to be to Sodom, and nothing happened. Sodom was destroyed. Afal pichain, listen. Afal pichain tefilato eina neevedet. His tefilah is not for naught. It doesn't get thrown into the waste basket of tefilot. So here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu mitaveh, Avraham David, and Rav Nosson says, and that tefillah really does work. How does it work? Gam be'emet, pa'al ma'od. The tefillah of Avraham Avinu is very effective. How so? Kizchut tefillato la'tzilatzadom, pa'ala, shayedezed nitzol lot, he says, after all, it's not true that Avram Avinu was unsuccessful. Because the tefillah of Avram Avinu must have been effective to save Lot. Lot and his descendants. Shemihem yishtal shel v'yitzei hitnotzitzut David Mashiach t'moshamru rabotenu zao. Huh? So he says the tefillah of Avram Avinu that HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hitaveilav worked because that's why Lot was saved. And Lot, after all, was the father of Malchut. Rut Ima Shal Malchut. Lot, the great-great-grandfather of Ima Shal Malchut. Ki <coughs> And Rav Nussan knows that you're not like, you know, you don't know what he's talking about exactly, but he says, Even though we know that the angel who was going to save Lot was already there before Avram Avinu started davening. means... That it can't be that things are going to happen totally independent, like the heavenly, like the divine actions are totally independent of the human enterprise. So while it's true that the Malach was sent to save Lot, it had to be worth saving Lot. And who made it worth? After all, Lot was not a tzaddik. Lot was not saved on his own. So what? Who made it worth saving Lot? Or who made, let's say it in a better sense, who made saving Lot a worthy thing? Not Lot. Lot was not worthy at all. What made Lot, or the saving of Lot, worthy was the tefillah of Avraham Avinu. So that even though the angel had already been sent to save Lot, it wouldn't have happened, according to Rav if not for Avram Avinu's <coughs> intervention. <coughs> That's called Itaruta Dilatata. In this case, that man, Avram Avinu, had to prove that we deserved it. That we deserved it. <coughs> 
להרבות בתפילה ותחרונים, לגמור הישועה להציל את לוד בתוך ההפיכה להציל ממנה דוד משיח. So you know that Kabbalists are very much taken with this idea that there's a kind of symbiosis between heaven and earth. And that, and that each is paying close attention to the other. And that it's important for man, or at least some men slash women, to respond to the divine will. <coughs> and that's called the Taruta de Lepata. David שמדבר מעניין צדקה ומשפט. כי כל כוח התפילה לבטל על זה, זה רק צדקה ומשפט, it can, it can deny the edict. God says, be destroyed, and tefillah will prevent that destruction. Remember, Ninveh. Yoda came to Ninveh, he said, Ninveh a specific time, and they davened. And the davening changed the verdict. <coughs> so he says, כל כוח התפילה לבטל הגזירה הוא רק על ידי זה שמבקשים מהשם יתברך. What is the power of תפילה? That you know to ask of God. אף על פי שרוצה להביא איזה דין גזירה חס ושלום. Even though in heaven it was decided that some people deserve the maximum punishment. That some people have to be punished severely for what they do. <coughs> he says, that certainly, certainly is the truth. When God says, Sodom deserves to be destroyed. So there's no other possibility. In Mishpat. <coughs> That's the Mishpat. אבל בכן, יש אצלו בחינת צדקה בתוך המשפט. But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu renders the decision, which is based on a pure sense of justice, there is nevertheless with that decision a codicil of צדקה. צדקה comes along with mishpat and had tzadikim b'tfilatam yecholim lorer and so it's there already it's not as though the tzadik can go to the mishpat and say hey this is no good let's change it but HaKadosh Baruch so to say says is the mishpat is the decision but it includes it includes taka just that somebody has to come and demand it. To demand it's tzedakah. So that the prayer is not limitless. It's not that the prayer can do anything. 
But the prayer can do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows it to do. And when did HaKadosh Baruch Hu allow the prayer to do what it could do? When the decision was rendered, the Mishpat. And in the Mishpat, in the Mishpat is that opening of Tzedakah. And if you rush into that opening with Tzvilah, Mishpat can be put off, even at times changed. So Avram Avinu is the one who knew about Tzedakah Mishpat. So Avram Avinu is the one who kadavim, who kadavim to Sodom. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu mitavel at Tzvilatam Shal Tzadikim, for those who know about Tzvilat. Not just he's a Tzadik, so he should daven. But he knows what Tzvilat is really about. He knows how to deal with the problems in reality with Tzvilat. So that it's as though HaKadosh Baruch Hu has rendered a decision but he still sits in judgment. The judgment has not come to an end. Of course, if there are no new witnesses, the Mishnah says in Sanhedrin, if a new witness comes in a capital case and says, I, I know something, so we reopen the case immediately. Even though the decision has been rendered. Rav Nosson says, that's how it is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only gives the Gzardin, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits on the seat of justice, waiting for the argument of Tzedakah. And that argument was the argument that Avram Avinu knew about. Only Avram Avinu. <coughs> At that time. He says, Ki hu yidbarach b'mishpat uset tztakah shehu pil'ei pil'otav hanistarim ma'od she'i afshar lahavin. And this is something that's hard for us to understand. That one at the same time there is truth and truth is mishpat and there's taka, <coughs> which I guess is less than truth, or different than truth. And HaKadosh Baruch wants staka, because staka indicates a relationship. And relationship is that word that we saw in Rashi, chiba. <coughs> so that the greatest thing that happens in the created world is a man turns to God knowing the secret the secret is that a man the as they like to say today with the feeble talents and strength that he has argue the case even after the decision has been made. That was the piece of sugar and that it's never too late to daven. That's what Rav Nossin says. When I say it's never too late to daven, I don't mean it's something to do while you're passing the time. What I mean is <coughs> that it'll work. It'll work if 
if you know about Stakar and Mishmat. So that's what Rav Nossin said. That's what Rav Nossin said. He concentrated on the words Stakar and Mishpat. I would like to <coughs> look at now something in the Shem Mishmuel. Shem Mishmuel is the son of the Avni Nezer. He wrote a rather uh, long and interesting uh, book on Parshat HaShavuah, <coughs> which, as you know, was largely inspired by and the Torah of his father, who was the Avni Nezer. The Avni Nezer was a brilliant uh, Talmudist and a great Rebbe. That used to be the case. That's how it used to be. Because all the great Hasidim <coughs> of the 19th century, I mean, not all, but many of the great Hasidim of the 19th century, and this is even into the early 20th century, were Ba'alei Tshuva. Meaning, they started out as kind of Litvaks. And they were impressed by Hasidut. So, you know, if you grow up as a Hasid, so it's like sort of regular. But if you're overwhelmed by Hasidut at the age of 20, <coughs> then you really go for it. Like a house on fire. So the, the Avni Nezer was a Hasidish Rebbe who was kind of a Baal Tshuva. He married the daughter of the Kotzka, whose name was Menachem Mendel. But he wasn't a Lubavitcher. He was the Kotzka. The Avni Nezer was one of the great Rebbeim in, uh, in Poland. But apparently, he was poor at writing. He was good at everything, but not so good at writing. But he was blessed with a son who was very good at writing. And probably good at other things as well, but he wrote... <coughs> he wrote down the Torah of his father on Chumash in a series of... What's, it's published in a series of volumes called the Shei Mishmur. <coughs> in one piece in the Shei Mishmur, he says this. Ki yedativ l'mana sheyetzavet b'anav v'etoach harav yedativ, right? V'rashi v'rabban, we haven't got time for that. D'gubu l'ashon l'mana yein shabed v'rev. V'nirelifaresh. He says, I want to explain the word Yud Dalet Ayin, which I told you when we looked at the Pasuk, was a very difficult word. And he says this, <laughs> Those of you who are not great Kabbalists may not remember that the first three Svirot of the, of the ten Svirot, you don't really have to be a great Kabbalist, you just have to say Svirot Omer every year. Right? What's, what are the first uh, three Svirot? What? Chochma Bina, Das, or Keser, Chochma Bina. Chochma Bina is up there. Right? And Das is also up there. <coughs> so he says, he says, that what's the difference between Dat and Chochma and Bina? After all, these are words that look to us to be interchangeable. Atachal named them Dat. What's the continuation? All those words are in there, right? Except they end with the bracha is bracha to Hashem, da'at. So the so the da'at turns out to be somehow cumulative. It's, it like includes chokhmah and bina. Here you have 
he says, Yeshomrim, Shedatu inyan chibur v'kishur b'lishon v'adam yadam. You know, when the Torah talks about the relationship between Adam and Chava, about the sexual relationship that they had, that's called Ladat. <coughs> he says, He says, but then, that, that, that's, a, that's a physical quality. That's not an intelligence. That's not something that, that indicates some kind of intellectual or spiritual achievement. He says, because really, when you speak about connections between people, between a man and a woman, between parents and children, we're talking about something that comes from Ava, love, chuka, desire, those things which are planted in our hearts. We look for them. We want them. Because they, because we have this need. There are those who think that Yudalad Ayin refers to kind of a combination of Seichel, understanding, and Midot, the quality, the human qualities that he's talking about. He doesn't like this. And now he says something which he says is radical. You see if it's radical. The Yeshomrim. Yeshomrim. No, I'm sorry. The next line. Ukshanila atzmi. He says, that's like saying, if I was just thinking about this myself, if nobody else was standing with me, if I didn't have to defend myself, this is what I would say. So he says, he says, you know, to know something, well, you can know it at a distance. If I can say, oh, there's a car. I can say, oh, oh, there, there are lights, or there's a, a heater. I mean, I know it, but I know it from far away. I mean, if I would become an engineer, if I would spend my life taking them apart and putting them together, so I would know it better. But I could still say, I know it. That's called Chochmah. That's called Chochmah. Chochmah is a variable thing. But as long as you're outside of the thing you're thinking about, you never know it quite uh, perfectly. But when I get really close, <coughs> I look at the light bulb and I look into the light bulb and you see what the electricity is. The more I understand, the more I, understand, I come to a point where my capacity to understand fails me. I just can't understand anymore. I can't get beyond what I have, what I have learned. He says, he says, he can't absorb anymore. It's like, it's like filling up a, a vessel. When you come to the, when it's filled, 
it won't hold anymore. And no matter how much more you put in, it just gets spilled out onto the ground. So that's how it is with understanding. Everybody knows, if you've had uh, some kind of an academic career, that you kind of get to the point where, that's it. Now I'm going to go to work. That's it, I'm going to go to work means, I don't exactly understand what they're telling me anymore. So I better go to work. <coughs> he says, so what is that? What is that? That is knowledge that comes after knowledge. In other words, learning whatever you learn. <coughs> the Litvax would say it about Talmud Torah. They would say, Talmud Torah, you know what Talmud Torah is? You have to know this, and you have to know that, and you have to learn this, and you have to learn that, and you have to memorize it, and put it together, and you have to organize it, and you have to, you have to repeat it. But if you do that, you might get to the point where you feel that you're learning the Word of God. That's different than knowing. Because there are people who learn Torah, so to speak, but they never feel that they're learning the Word of God. <coughs> so Yedativ, the Shemesh world says, Yedativ means that there's knowing beyond knowing. There's Chibah that is possible between God and man. So here's man. <coughs> He's able to think about creation and he's able to think about obligations <coughs> he's able to think about what God is about there's the Rambam in the Mor Nebuchim you know, but you can learn the Mor Nebuchim until you're kind of blue in your face I don't know why people say that I guess blue is like it's, like it's not so effective when you get blue you can learn the Mora Nevuchim until you're blue in the face and not. And you're learning the, the innermost musings of the Rambam. Possibly the greatest Jew of modern times, of the last thousand years. You can learn the Mora Nevuchim and you can try it. Try it. And never feel any closer to God by solving the problem. In fact, my theory always was that the Rambam wrote the Moronevuchim for people who felt they were close to God but had trouble explaining it. And not that the Rambam thought if there were people who didn't feel close to God <coughs> they'd get close by learning the Moronevuchim. Tiyadatif means according to Shemishmuel that there's a special relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu knew about God with the power of Dea, of Dat, which the Shema Shmuel says is beyond academic knowledge of any kind. More than, beyond that. I mean, all of us know we have words for this. Intuitively, we say what does intuitively mean? It means I know it's right. I just can't explain it. But I base it on something. I mean, it's not the intuition of a beaver. 
going to build a dam. It's not that kind of intuition. It's the intuition that comes from everything that I've learned. It's a step beyond a ball. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, belief in God is not quantifiable. It's not explainable. It's not like you could <coughs> you could say, look, I like the community of people who believe in God. That's not the same as saying, I believe in God. So the Avram Avinu, Chiba, describes that relationship between Avram and HaKadosh Baruch. And the Shemi Shmuel says, that relationship is not a logical one. It's not based on, it's not based on learning. It's not based on knowledge per se. <coughs> but it's beyond learning and beyond knowledge. That's what the Shemi Shmuel says. That's the key of Stakau Mishpat means that for a person like Avram who has this ability to know about God beyond knowledge, his tefillah will certainly never be rejected. And if you ask Rav Nosson, what happened? They'll say, oh, Avram Avinu was really davening for Lot. And the reason he was davening for Lot was because he knew that Lot might be the father of David HaMelech. And then the Melech HaMashiach. And that came to Avram Avinu from a source that was beyond information. It was Yudalad Ayin, the Adoa, the special understanding that people have who have a relationship to the Rebbeinah So we've explained the story of HaKadosh Baruch looking to Avram Avinu for prayer in a way that was accepted in the world of Hasidut. Although, <coughs> not the same Hasidim, not the same world. Rav Nosson was a Talmud of Rav Nachman of Ratzlov. The Shemi Shmuel was the son of the Abdi Nezer. But both of them, equally, I think, are sensitive to the issue of interpretation in the parish. Have a good Shabbos.